You're listening to episode 45 of Chirps, a St. Louis Cardinals podcast for Birds on the Black. I'm Tara. He's Alex. This week joined by Daniel Shoptaw. And the Cardinals' magic number is 10. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 45 of Chirps, a podcast from Birds on the Black. Uh, as you can tell, Tara Wellman is uh, not here this week. Otherwise, she would being she would be doing the introduction. But uh, I am lucky enough to be joined uh, for the first time by Daniel Shoptaw, uh, also known as C70, uh, writer at Cards Conclave and uh, the foremost Cardinals blogger, uh, or one of the foremost Cardinals blogger. I don't know if that's a compliment or a, uh, something <laughs> uh, you don't want to be too proud of uh, with the circles we all run in. But uh, Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I think it's just the longevity. I've just done it long time. That's the only reason you get that. So um, doing well would be doing better if the Cardinals were able to, you know, win. But uh, we'll get to that. Yeah, I will. I'll go ahead and do the update. Cardinals are up two to one in the uh, top of the six with two outs. Nats have a runner on second. Last I checked, the Cubs were losing uh, three to one, but I'm just going to go ahead and assume that they're going to win that game 10 to three. Uh, That seems to be how the Cubs are operating (laughs) these days. So I would feel much better uh, if we win this game. Uh, Daniel, I I think I I should probably tell you that the last guest I had on uh, went on to. be a guest on college game day. Uh, wow. So what are you bringing um, to the not table? Not that. Um, I, I don't know. That's a good, it's a good question. I am going to be on a, <laughs> somebody else was having me on a different podcast tomorrow, but I, I don't think that that's quite the same thing. So um, I guess I'll just bring my normal everyday, whatever that is. <laughs> I really don't know. So hopefully it's, hopefully it's uh, about 50% of what Tara usually brings. That's, all, that's usually what I aim for. Uh, that's a- That'll be enough. If if, uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Ben Godar uh, was a guest a couple weeks ago, and he was on College Game Day, uh, ESPN's College Game Day, because he uh, just just finished a movie, a documentary about the Cyhawk Trophy, which is the trophy they uh, or used to give away uh, to the Iowa Iowa State uh, uh, victor of that football game. I think they have now replaced it with a newer sort of lame trophy, uh, but. Uh, you should all see that movie. It sounds like it's going to be very cool. Uh, I'm excited to see it. Uh, ben comes from the great state of Iowa. And when he was on, I kind of asked him how the Cardinal demographic works out in Iowa with, uh, you know, with fans of other baseball teams. You hail from the great state of Arkansas. Well, and so I'm kind of curious uh, how it works there. Because I would think, like, do the Braves have pull or uh, – uh, like Royals or maybe even the Rangers. Like, it seems like there could be several teams in play there. Yeah, I mean, if you look at if if you talk to Major League Baseball, apparently it's Cardinals, Rain, uh, Cardinals, Rangers, Astros, Royals, because that's the ones we're blacked out from. Um, so, which is not nearly like Iowa, wow. which has yeah. like all the teams. But, um, but you know, we're kind of in the mix. I mean, Kansas for, from where I'm at, Kansas City is about five hours. St. Louis is a little over six. Uh, Arlington's about six. Houston's much farther. Um, and so, honestly, right around here, it's it's mainly Cardinal country because, of course, of KMOX and that you know that generation that came in listening to them when there was no other baseball. This was the closest. St. Louis was the closest thing they had, but also the Double uh, A team that's down in Little Rock. 
um, was the Cardinals, the Cardinals double A team for a long, long time, uh, up until about 2002 when the Cardinals said, you know, you might want to update this 90 year old stadium. And they said, well, I don't know that we need to. And, and the Cardinals said, well, okay, but we're going to leave then. <laughs> and so, and eventually they wound up over, of course, over in Springfield. And that's obviously worked out very well for them. But between that, um, and the, you know, the generational pass down. Now there are some Cub fans and some Brave fans because of the superstitions uh, of when we were growing up. And there are, yeah. you know, you'll get some Royals fans and, and Rangers fans at times. But I mean, if you're talking to people, it's mainly the Cardinals around here. At least it, it, maybe, maybe that's because they know better than to talk about anything else in front of me. I don't know. But um, I, I feel like that's when you look at, you know, what's on sale, you know, where if you see, you know, merchandise or stuff like that, the limited that is, it's usually Cardinals. Well, you have uh, – I, I know Billy Bob Thornton hails from the area. And he, mm-hmm. he is a big Cardinals fan. He's the narrator of the 2006 World Series video, which is uh, one of my favorites. I should I should put it on soon just to kind of get me in the mood for what I hope is going to be postseason baseball. But uh, maybe I don't want to get too uh, confident as I, I think uh, Tara and I maybe were guilty of that the last couple of weeks. But uh, speaking of that, Cardinals are two up. Uh, heading into today, um, hopefully that will be the case tomorrow, if not um, if not better. But I, I want to ask you a question about the Cubs series uh, coming up. And, uh, and then I guess we can kind of dive a little bit deeper into it. But let's say um, we don't know what's going to happen uh, in this game, and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But someone tells you, I'll give you a 2-2 split in the Cubs series. Uh, and it's on the table, and you can have it. Do you take that? M- meaning, meaning, we're we're throwing away the chance to win the series, or you know, by the grace of God, sweep the series. Um, would you take that two-two split if offered to you? I think so. I think you would, uh, because it's in Wrigley, and. I don't want to spoil too much, but that's not been good for the Cardinals, uh, both this year and in years past. Um, and, you know, no matter what happens tonight, no matter what happens tomorrow, the Cardinals go into Wrigley at worst tied. If you can get through those four games and still be tied, you know, you just then you just have six games and, and you hope that you can go out to Arizona and, and do well enough to hold serve even there. And then, you know, maybe it comes down to winning two out of three at Bush, but you'd like your chances better there, I think, than you would anything else. There's, I mean, there's a, I don't think the Cardinals will, but there's a solid chance that they could go into Wrigley and go one and three uh, and lose the lead. So if somebody will guarantee the two and two, of course, I'm a very risk averse person. So that's maybe part of it too. But um, I think you'd have to jump at that. I I agree. I, I think especially when, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the Cubs are currently playing the Reds at Wrigley. But then they go on a pretty mm-hmm. long do they close out at Pittsburgh, at Cincinnati, then at Bush? Are, are they done with Wrigley at the um, at the end of our series? Uh, they are done with Wrigley at the end of our series, but there's just just uh, one series between um, at Pittsburgh. That's yeah, right. Um, and then they okay. go to Bush. So yeah, <laughs> okay. I mean, but yeah, the end of the season is is right here. It's it's kind of hard to believe, but yeah. So. Um, and they're, you know, they've not been good away from Wrigley, but then again, we saw exactly what they did to Pittsburgh last week. And, you know, I don't see there's any particular reason to think they won't do more of the same when they go to Pittsburgh. Absolutely. And that's why, and I think that's the only thing that gives me pause about saying, uh, absolutely, I'm, 
I'm taking that two, two mm-hmm. split. And then, uh, you know, we're just getting out of there because, you know, I, I think a week ago at this time we had what, a four game yeah. lead on the Cubs and I, I was sort of dreading that series, um, these seven games with the Cubs because it almost made it feel like not that the four games didn't matter, but that the Cubs would kind of be able to make up that difference. Um, you know, if they needed to, you know, they weren't going to need help from anyone else. It was all kind of in their own hands. But I, the flip side of that is this is also an opportunity for the Cardinals. Uh, the Cubs aren't going to play anyone as good as the, as good as the Cardinals the rest of the season. And, you know, if the Cardinals want to win the division, they can take five or seven from the Cubs and win the division. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, if, if it comes down to it and the Cardinals don't win the division because, you know, they lose uh, four or seven to the Cubs or five or seven to the Cubs, then I'm not sure they deserve to win the division anyway. And, and so, yeah, like it, there's reason to be terrified of that series, especially in Wrigley. But there's also, I, I guess – glass half full of, of looking at it as this is actually a very good opportunity for the Cardinals. It's, that's true. We are spooked by the Cubs and, and for good reason. But if you kind of try to take a look at this and you say, you know, Jack Flaherty is going to go in one of those games, the Cardinals, I mean, I haven't looked at the pitching matchups. In fact, when I looked earlier today, the Cubs haven't yeah. announced theirs, but you know, there's a good chance that the Cardinals will have the advantage in every one of those games. The bullpen's better. And the Cubs' offense is going to be without Rizzo and Baez. So, you know, I'm not saying that the Cardinals are just this overwhelming favorite or anything, but at worst, they're, uh, you know, an even draw with the Cubs. And when you're an even, an even with the team, all it takes is, you know, one play here or there. And, you know, what could be a 2-2 could turn into a sweep real quick. Right. I'll go ahead, at least what they have up on fan graphs right now, what it's looking like. And that's mm-hmm. game one, uh, Flaherty and Hendricks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that feels like a game we want to win. Yeah. Um, it also feels like a game that is going to be hard to win because we know our, at least our recent history with Hendricks. I, I know last time when he threw that Maddox against us, which mm-hmm. was just, uh, you, you felt like it was happening by the, by the second <laughs> inning. But I think Jeff Jones or someone tweeted out that actually we have put up good numbers against him before. I just don't remember when that was. Yeah, it's been a while for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, second game is Waka and uh, uh, Quintana. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we have Hudson and Hamels, and then uh, Michaelis and Darvish. So they're missing Wainwright. We would be missing Lester. So the the old guys, as it stands mm-hmm. now, will not be pitching in that series. I don't know if that's uh, good for us, good for them. Uh, certainly Lester hasn't looked that strong lately, and it would be nice to get a crack at him, but he seems to have... Uh, and, and maybe this is uh, recency bias, or maybe it's not true at all, but he seems to usually do pretty well against us. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. It, it's it's the most anticipated games, a regular season game against the Cubs that uh, ever or in, in my lifetime. I, I mean, I think back to 2015, there was a very late Sunday game, mm-hmm. uh, mid-September Sunday game against the Cubs that the Cardinals won. I want to say 2-1 or 3-2 that staved off a three game sweep and um, had the Cubs swept that series, you know, that the last two weeks of the season perhaps could have been different. Um, That's the only thing coming to mind right now in terms of this is a huge game against our rivals. Yeah. Especially this late. I can, I have vague recollections of um, let's see what 89 
Um, when I I remember, you know, yeah, it was kind of earlier in September, but the Cardinals Uh were either right there with them or, and it was like a four game, another four game series or something of that nature. And the Cardinals, you know, laid an egg and, and that was it. Um, there have been, that's probably the only one though, that I can think of that's kind of held that kind of import. And that, if I remember right, was like the first weekend of September or something like that. So if memory serves, in 89, we cut it to like one game in in early September, mm. which is might be what you're yeah. talking about. But by the time they won the division, I want to say we were close to eight or nine. Yeah, and it was mainly a tail speeding after that series in Wrigley. Um, and yeah, I never caught up. So, um, But yeah, to go into the last week with both teams having a chance to win and they're playing each other, boy, I, I don't really remember anything of that nature. I mean, cause I mean, how many, it's only been what the last two or three years where the Cardinals and Cubs have been good at the same time. Um, and, and right. So right, yeah. it's, it's a little hard to, to find those kind of days, but, uh, yeah, it's huge. I guess, uh, uh, Oh three, we had, was that a five game? Yeah. Because yeah. There was, there was a, and the Cubs had four, four yeah, or five. We, really, uh, let's see. Th- that was obviously big, but that was, that was not in late September. It was in September. I, I think it was the very beginning of September. Yeah. Yeah. Was it really? So. Okay. Okay. So that, so that might be, uh, you know, that, that might be in contention for, for some of these games. But I, I, I don't remember a, a Cubs yeah. series that quite feels like this. And, and it's a good thing. It's not great for, I, I think, my uh, heart rate or um, stuff, stuff of that nature. But baseball for Cardinals Cubs rivalry it's looking I made a note here on that 2003 series they went into that series tied with Houston um but the Cubs were like a game and a half back so um you know and then and then they went one and four and the Cubs eventually wound up winning that division but we kind of forget about Houston I think being in that mix at that time too but um yeah. yeah. Well, that's <laughs> awful, isn't it? <laughs> that, that, was, that, yeah. that was as awful as I remember then. <laughs> There's a reason we have these subconscious, you know, fears of going into Wrigley in, in September or facing the Cubs in September. It's because this is the history. Um, but we can always write new history, too. Well, yeah. Well, let's talk about Wrigley for a quick second. Like, obviously – Teams play mm-hmm. better at home than they do on the road. Uh, there's, uh, for whatever reason, uh, but there's data to back that up. The, uh, and especially uh, the Cardinals this year have been uh, great at home and uh, not so great on the road, which is why I feel like it's been important to win this series against the Nationals and why mm-hmm. it would have been nice to have won that Brewer series. Uh, be that as it may, do we have a Wrigley problem? Or is this just in our heads and the players – really don't care about Wrigley. Like, like I, I go into Wrigley feeling like I do going into Coors Field, which is like, even if the Cubs are not good, uh, which that hasn't been like that for a mm. while, but it just feels like a weird ballpark. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, it's kind of like Coors in the fact, and not as much nowadays, but still has some of that, you know, Coors you go and you have to deal with the altitude. It's different. It's something completely different. You adjust to it. And by the time you adjust to it, you leave. Well, with Wrigley, you've got all the day games. You know, you're playing day games like on a Friday afternoon when you have no, you know, your body says, what are you doing out here? You know, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know if that has some, you know, some play into it as well as, as the, you'll go from a night game to, you know, three day games in a row or 
or mix it in somehow like that. I don't know if that has something to do with it or not, or if it's just, you know, that's part of rivalries, I guess, as the other team gets up for you, you know, the Cubs get up to play the Cardinals and vice versa, even if there's nothing on the line. So I don't know. I, I, it's probably more for, for in our minds as fans as it is the players. Um, but it, it is a little bit strange to see how long, how this is continues to play out. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I was a bit distracted here for a second because the Cardinals just put another run on the board. Uh, well, so did the, so did the Reds. So, Oh, yeah. look, two good things happening at once. That's excellent. <laughs> so I believe what just happened here is Jose Martinez struck out with the runners on first and third and one out. However, Bader stole second and the throw in into center field, allowing uh, Edmund. whoever oh, Edmund was on third. Edmund, Edmund, Edmund nice. to come home. Um, I'm almost surprised they even threw the ball to second in that situation with two outs, uh, but I'm, I'm certainly glad they did. So there we go, 3-2. Um, I didn't mention that the Nats had scored a run to give them a bit more of a cushion than when we started, but 3-2 and the Cardinals still have something going, uh, although uh, they do not. You're so far ahead of me. Jose uh, Martinez is still batting for me, but if you don't mind to branch just a little bit while we're out here, can we talk a little bit about Jose Martinez yeah. and the fact that it, it starts to feel like he is, I mean, one, he seems like he's completely – lost at times, but also it seems like Mike Schilt is starting to maybe replace him as he's definitely not the first option and feels like Ravello might be inching up there, passing him on that. Mm-hmm. Um, y- you know, the th- thing about Jose Martinez, uh, and, you know, this is not breaking <laughs> any news, but we, we kind of tolerated any shenanigans in the field because he was mm-hmm. he hit well above average. Um, this year, I'm looking at his stats right now. He is he's pretty much a slightly below average hitter. Uh, he's slugging below 400, mm-hmm. which to me is very concerning for a guy with a profile like Jose Martinez. I mean, if you're going to have him in the lineup, you want him to be slugging at like 475 <laughs> right, or right. above. You know, I feel like to really maximize some some value out of him. Striking out a little bit more, uh, although mm-hmm. you know who isn't striking out a little bit more in 2019. Um, I don't want to uh, – I haven't looked at, you know, exit velocity or anything like that, so I can't really pretend to break it down too much. But he seems uh, – and I'm going to say this anecdotally, and then I'm going to actually look at it, but I feel like a lot more swings and misses, um, which I guess you can say can be expected if he's striking out a bit more, a bit more but <laughs> he seems to uh, – not being even close to the type of contact hitter he used to be. No, and I, I think it's been most really noticeable, at least to me. And I'm always slow on the uptake, but since he came back from the DL um, here in September, I mean, there's just more times than not. You're right; he's just striking out, and he's not even taking a you know like a solid at bat and then striking out. It's like three pitches, and and you know, and two of them he's flailed at. Um, I, I don't know. And again, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's, and I guess it's all kind of, we'll have a discussion about, you know, if it's people still trying to adjust to whatever Jeff Albert's bringing to the table, or if it's, you know, there is, I don't want to say that it kind of sounds weird, but you know, he did get the contract extension, you know, some players after they're not, you know, necessarily fighting for their lives or they're, you know, you know, making sure they stay on the roster or earning everything they can, they could take a step back I don't know that Jose's that way, but 
and he, you know, he's added the coffee. He's added a yeah. lot of different things. But it's just, it's disappointing because, you know, when Jose was going well, he was so dangerous, especially coming off the bench. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I I see your point about the contract thing, but re- you might have to remind me again on the numbers, but I don't feel like it's the type of contract where he's going to feel too comfortable in terms of, like, I've made it and, you know, I can. Um, sure. I, I don't want to say take it easy because that's not right. really applying at all. But, but just your mindset might be slightly different if, like you said, you're not fighting for every scrap that's out there. And whatnot. What's funny is I'm looking at his plate discipline stats, and nothing mm. is really different. Uh, his contact uh, percentage is just barely below his career average. I'm just barely below where it was last year. Um, he's not swinging at more pitches outside of the zone. Um, he's actually, uh, I, I mean, he's swinging sl- at slightly fewer pitches in the zone, um, but his he's swinging about the same. Uh, percentage of pitches, uh, contact, yeah, contact, everything across the board is pretty much stable at, to where he usually is. So yeah. he is I'm pulling up the, the baseball savant numbers. We'll say he's barreled a lot less balls this year and his exit velocity is down a couple of, okay. of miles per hour. I don't know if that's a huge, his okay. launch angles down a couple of degrees. Um, so it may be, it may be more of, you know, and it could be just, Hit, just not hitting the ball right, you know. I don't know. Uh huh. No, no, that could that could certainly be it. That seems like important info. It. I, I was thinking this last night at some point in the game, um, and it, you know we we won, so it didn't seem too pressing at the time. But it does seem like we have a lot of hitters right now who aren't hitting well, uh, and. The first guy, the, I think the reason why I kind of quickly forgot about this is because the first guy who popped in my head was Ozuna. Right, he, right. He, he went out and hit a, hit a home run <laughs> and then uh, a two-run double, basically won the game. But, you know, Jose Martinez, who we just talked about, uh, I hesitate to throw Tyler O'Neill in this group because we still don't quite know, at least I don't feel like I quite know what Tyler O'Neill is. Uh, but Yadier Molina... Um, Goldschmidt is just, you know, I, I, I mentioned to someone earlier that what happened with Milwaukee just feels like a microcosm of his season where he just eviscerated them in the first game and then I think went over for the final two games. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that just kind of feels like the Paul Goldschmidt uh, experience so far in uh, 2019. Um, so they were talking about this on Seeing Red, just like the offense is this I think they use the word untrustworthy, and I think that's a very good way to describe it. Uh, do you have a – I'm not expecting you to have a diagnosis uh, because uh, I think if you did, you would be sitting here talking to me. You'd be uh, doing something better. But do you have any comments on this? I mean, what is, – is, is the offense this team's biggest problem? Because when I was talking to Tara before the season began, my big thing was like, this team's going to put some runs on the board. I don't know how the pitching is going to do, but this team's going to score a lot of runs. Yeah, I mean, it, it should. But, you know, then again, you know, the last couple of years we've said that, right? I mean, that – and we we spent a lot of time blaming John Mabry for not getting the most out of these hitters that, you know, they go to Memphis and be able to hit, and then they come to the big leagues and not do anything. But then they start – you know, they even import the – pitching uh, hitting coaches from Memphis and it doesn't work. And, you know, they've changed to Jeff Albert and I don't know. I don't really know if it's just organizational philosophy or 
just weird weirdness of baseball. I don't know. Or the, the idea that you can't have good pitching and good hitting at the same time. That's just not allowed for the Cardinals to do that. Um, I, I don't know. But right now, for sure, the offense is the worst. Because, I mean, you're right. At the beginning of the year, that rotation looked a little iffy. But right now, I think you stack it up, especially the way that, that Mike Schilt is, is using Michael Walker in very concentrated doses, as it were. I think you stack it up with – most anybody. I mean, there's some obviously that are better and the bullpen's good. So if they can, you know, if they could put legitimately put four to five runs on the board every night, they're going to win a lot of ball games. But we have trouble seeing them get four or five hits. It feels like sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the game that they blew against the Brewers, mm-hmm. um, I think it was this game on Sunday. Yeah, I, I, for yeah. a while we had what three runs on three home runs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, three, three, Three runs on three hits, which were all home runs. Yeah, well, wound Is up that with, correct? Was that that game? Yeah, because they um, wound up with then, that game, five hits, four homers. Um, yeah, and then, then the game obviously spun wildly out of control, uh, and it no longer resembled that. But that just <laughs> felt like kind of what the Cardinals, I guess, were <laughs> have been doing more often than not mm-hmm. this year. I, I Someone mentioned, and I looked at it myself, that if you look at the leaderboards and basically any offensive category, the Cardinals are completely absent um, with an exception of stolen bases where Colton Wong's like six, but it's like, <laughs> you know, who cares it's stolen bases? So, uh, but no, they are nowhere to be found on basically any offensive category. It's almost, uh, it's kind of mind boggling that they are even are where they are, which is two games up in the NL central. Uh, until you think about, uh, and, and I think Schilt deserves some credit for this, mm-hmm. that even though I'm almost hesitant to give it to him because he kind of whined about it when, uh, <laughs> earlier in the year, but like, uh, you know, they are so much cleaner in the field yeah. and they don't make stupid mistakes on the bases. Um, and, you know, the bullpen's been solid. And that's what's been a little concerning to me um, about with some of the losses the last uh, week and a half, two weeks, is because those the young heirs, um, mm-hmm. which we're very fluky, but we're very uh, not like this team. And then, you know, the bullpens had a few, uh, I guess we'd call them moments. Um, you know, Gallegos no longer looks um, like the invincible person that he was, although, you know, we can't expect him to be lights out for an entire season. Um, right. well, I certainly don't, you know, blame him for that. But, you know, the bullpen has... Uh, the, the game on Saturday was kind of a game that was lost with the bullpen, um, mm-hmm. along with Sunday. So, yeah, it's uh, it's troubling if kind of the one thing that got us here, or the couple of things that got us here, is starting to to crack a little bit. I, I don't think we're quite there yet, and just because of a couple of games, but it is something to keep an eye on. I think. Oh yeah, and you know, and we've seen Gallegos bounce back a little bit. Um, you know. How do you account for, you know, Carlos Martinez having asthma allergies enough that he can't pitch on a game? You know, I mean, uh, that's painful because you, you really feel like Sunday would have been completely different. Could it, Sunday yeah. should have gone differently anyway. But um, if, if Carlos Martinez... Well, I, I will say in, in his defense, um, and I've never had asthma, but anyone who mm-hmm. has had just like a sudden asthma, unexpected asthma attack, mm-hmm. like... It's pretty debilitating from what I understand. Oh, sure. So I don't yeah. I don't blame him for mm. being absent from, from that game. Uh, no, um, not not at all. It's just that it, yeah, yeah. If he had been healthy, that inning goes, you know, they give him the ninth and he's you know, he probably locks that down. Um, Absolutely. 
you know, um, but that that's, um, you know, that's kind of the, I, I, I feel like we've, like you said, we've hit some bumps in the road. Um, hopefully they'll straighten themselves out and, but, uh, you know, until we get there, you, you just, you just got to live and die pretty much every night. And that's, that's always a problem. With all that said, and since we just mentioned that basically there's no Cardinals hitter um, who's uh, knocking on the you know, door of any leaderboard. Do you remember when I was uh, tracking Paul DeYoung in the uh, mm-hmm. batting race? I, I right. think one of my favorite things is when the season's over, I'm going to look to see where he actually is because I think it's pretty far down there. <laughs> uh, I, I think, you know, I think, uh, I don't know how many qualified hitters we have in the National League right now, but he might be in the, uh, I don't know, bottom uh, third uh, percentile. I don't know. So, so that'll be fun. But who would, at least position players wise, who would be your MVP of this team? Oh, I think it has. Because, uh, you know, we're. Yeah, it has to be Colton Wong. That's I mean, I and I'm not well. just saying that because Tara's yeah. not here, but uh, she'll be listening later. Um, I think he's the one that's been the most consistent all year long. I mean, he's had he kind of started off a little bit. He had a a dip in May and June when everybody else did, but mm-hmm. overall, he's kind of been the guy you could count on more regularly than anybody else. Then you toss in the defense and the stolen bases, and um, yeah, it's. It's amazing that, and that it's him, and and what he has done since last July, basically. Um, that when, you know, I think we a lot of times wanted to overblow that whole, you know, internal conflict they were having in the clubhouse, but it's hard to argue with those results. That there was something to that. I agree. I was I was looking at his game logs going back to the all-star break right after he did the sacrifice bunt and what, what I believe was the third inning. Um, and I was, I was putting a kid down. So mm-hmm. I was following this on game day. So I apologize if I don't, if I don't have proper context of exactly what was happening. And I get that Corbin's on the mound. We have a lefty, uh, but runners on first and second, no outs. Um, I absolutely hate Colton Wong bunting there. I mean, this is a guy who, uh, since the all-star break has like a 416 on base percentage. Uh, he's like right at the top of the national league. I mean, this is he, Colin Wong has a very good chance of getting on base there uh, and moving the runners over without wasting an out. Um, not to mention the fact that it's only a third inning, uh, you know, it's only the third inning and you know, the chance of getting two or three runs seems more important than just mm-hmm. trying to get one run. Um, so yeah, like my whole point here is I, you know, I was looking at, I was looking at his numbers from July and he really has been that good. Uh, he's, uh, and you mentioned the defense, you mentioned the stolen bases. Um, and I think the stolen bases are important because we're talking about like 24 stolen bases right. while being caught two times. Uh, th- that's, that's to me pretty huge um, and, and pretty important and, and not really something that Cardinals have had in a while. I, I can't think of a, I don't, I mean, have, have we had a guy steal 30 bases in the last, uh, and at least do it at a decent, you know, decent clip as well. I mean, I can't even think the last time, you know, there's, well, there's been years where the team's only stolen like 60. So, um, (laughs) you know, I don't, I doubt there's been any, without looking it up, I can't think of anybody that's had that kind of 
that kind of speed. Um, I feel like with the 04 team, Womack stole a lot of bases, but I might have just made that up completely. Well, that, uh, that sounds reasonable, but... Uh, I'm going to go and look that up right now. Um, not that we need to care too much about stolen bases, but yeah, no, Wong has certainly been... Um, in my opinion, the MVP of this team, and yeah. okay, he had 26 stolen bases, um, which for all I know is the most stolen bases we've had by any player uh, in, a, in a long time. I, I know when Tommy Pham said after the 2000, I guess, 17 season, I think it was, he wanted to be a 30-30 guy in 2018 because I think he stole like mm-hmm. 23 or 24, something like that. I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, Colton Wong being the MVP excuse me, the MVP of this team is a, is a great thing. And it's also kind of a suspect thing because yeah. it kind of is an indictment on Goldschmidt, right? Or, or Ozuna or Matt Carpenter, who we haven't even mentioned yet because he's almost seemingly complete, completely forgotten about. Yeah, there is. that's not the way you would have expected this season to go. If you said Colton Wong is your best player, um, in April, then we would have said, "Oh my goodness, where what is going on here?" Um, either that, or he, either that, or he's like <laughs> setting records or something of that nature. Um, you're right. I, Goldschmidt should be that guy, um, and Goldschmidt has been—I don't know—he feels like he's been so streaky too, to some degree. Now, not streaky is not the right word because, except for July, he's never had a big run. But it's just those—you know—he'll come up big some moments. He won't like he struck out right. I'm just seeing the strikeout. You probably saw it uh, 20 minutes ago, but um, you know, but um, yeah. you know, just those kind of big, you know, kind of things where it feels like, oh, he's going to come through, and he and he doesn't. But you know, he's also got what 30, 31 home runs, and you know, that's something that this team needed. This team hadn't had. Um, yeah, I think uh, you're right. It is a bit of an indictment on a lot of these guys. Um, not that they haven't had good seasons, but they haven't had the seasons that you expected them to have or that they really needed to have for this team to be, you know, the juggernaut that it could have been. Cause if you had been able to pair the offense that they thought they were getting with the pitching that they have gotten, they would, you know, we would, they'd be clinching already. Uh, we wouldn't have to worry about all this, this angst of the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I, I think I, well, I don't think I, I know. I, I looked up yesterday, uh, Goldschmidt just because, it seemed like, uh, and, and I looked at this earlier in the year too, but it just seemed like he's starting so many at-bats mm-hmm. just with an 0-2 count. And I, I looked it up, and he was second in the National League to Freddie Galvis. Um, and we're talking about, I, I think he had 152 uh, plate appearances this year that have started with an 0-2 count, um, which accounts for about 25% of his overall plate appearances. And I certainly don't need to tell you uh, what usually mm-hmm. happens in right. an at-bat that starts with an 0-2 count. Um, it, you know, it's not good. Uh, I think the league the league average uh, WRC plus with an 0-2 count, when, when you start an at-bat with an 0-2 count, yeah. is like 20 or, or something like that. And Paul Goldschmidt wasn't much different from that. So, And I don't know if that's something that's always kind of been a thing with him. Uh, maybe I should have looked at, you know, his, his past few seasons in Arizona. Um, but... He certainly hasn't been uh, – it's like what you said. He's been good. He hasn't been – he's by no means been a disaster or anything like that. He's been He's been fine. He just hasn't been, you know, MVP, top, top three in MVP race guy, which I think is what we thought we had. And 
I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to say like, I don't want to say already that we maybe saw mm-hmm. the best of Paul Goldschmidt in Arizona. Um, but we're talking about a season of over 600 plate appearances now, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's in the books. It's <laughs> not going to all of a sudden, he's not going to have go on a tear these last, uh, how many games yeah. do we have left? 12, 12 games. And then all of a sudden his stats are going to look you know, radically different. Like this is basically his season. So, there is a little concern, I, I think, going forward, at least with me, and I'm sure with other people about that contract. But. Yeah, I think that, you know, I think we've gone a few times um, that if Cardinals hadn't extended him, would we want them to right now, you know, after this season? Uh, if he was coming into this as a free agent, you know, at, you know, already playing his season, th- his 31, age 31 season, and it's looking like this what's the clamor to sign him? I know I think the people would still want to, obviously. And I think that there would be still a push. I know that there would be as, you know, when they traded for him in December, right. it was like, Oh, they've got to, they've got to extend it. They've really got to do this. And now it'd be like, you know, there's a, there's a huge risk that it might not turn out. Um, now, hopefully not. Hopefully it's, you know, getting adjusted to a new, a new place, uh, a new way of doing things. And, and we'll see some good out of Goldschmidt, you know, going forward. But, I think there's, you know, I don't think we go into 2020 penciling him in as an MVP candidate like we did this year. Yeah, I remember when you and Alan brought the, first brought that up, um, or at least when I first heard it, uh, a couple months ago mm-hmm. on the Meet Me at Musial podcast. I remember thinking that was a, a very uh, interesting question. And I, I think the best comp, uh, although I, I think he's what, about two years younger, would be Ozuna, right? Um it seems like with Ozuna, at least with the fan base, it's it's uh, uh, schizophrenic almost. Like, you know, people are dying to sign him when he's on one of those tears. And then when he's not doing as well, I, I think people, a lot of people feel like they can live without him. Uh, since Goldschmidt, as you said, his season hasn't exactly been streaky uh, with an exception of that late July tear he went on, um, which I think a lot of us thought like, okay, he, he has arrived and you know, it's going to be similar to this the rest of the season, but that didn't quite happen. Uh, but, but I have a feeling had we not signed him and he was going to be a free agent entering uh, this off season, it would be kind of similar to that in that there would be some days where yeah. we'd be just like, do we really want to sign this guy? And there'd be other days where we'd just be thinking, all right, we got to bring this guy back. Yep. Uh, I, yeah, will- I think that's probably true. I think I am being a little pessimistic for a team that is two games up right now with uh, less than two weeks to play. Uh, just everything I'm, I've been talking about so far. Um, you know, this is, uh, and this is kind of what I wrote in a very short piece on Birds in the Black this week. This is where we want to be. This is where heading into the season, if you had told us uh, in, in March that, look, the Cardinals are going to be two games up with uh, about 12 games ago in September, we absolutely take that. Mm-hmm. That's context-free, of course. You know, we can certainly look at the Cubs who have, you know, at times looked very flawed and played a little worse than a lot of people expected, although certainly not Pakoda. Um, <laughs> and there's other issues. You know, the, the Cardinals are obviously not a uh, a, a perfect team. I wouldn't even call them a great team, uh, but they are a good team. Um and they have uh, as good of a chance to win this d- division as anyone right now, but better, better chance than, than anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here. Do you think they're going to pull this out? 
I think so. I mean, it's 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 easy to see how they wouldn't, but I, I just feel like they're going to wave just enough to win it out. I, I I think out of the three that are competing, they're the best team overall. Um, it may not be by much, but that edge may be enough. Um, and I, you know, looking at tonight, even as they're trailing the Cubs are trailing. And if that holds true, then there's another day off the calendar and you're still up too. And, and with so many games in their um, control where they can go in and beat the Cubs two or three times and maybe knock them out of things. I, I feel like they will, but I really wanted them to be clinched before, uh, you know, like on that off day before that last series. And I just don't think that's going to happen now. No, it doesn't. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. And I, like I said earlier, I don't care if the Cubs are losing right now. They're going to end up with like 12 runs tonight. It's probably yeah. going to happen in the next uh, five minutes before I look at my phone. Uh, that seems to be how they've been uh, going about things lately. That, I mean, that Pittsburgh series was just an abomination. I was like following that on my phone. And every time I looked at it, the Cubs were uh, – you know, the bases were full with one out and someone was up and the Cubs were about to tack on, you know, a bunch more runs. Uh, I remember for a very fleeting moment, the Pirates had like a two- or three-run lead and mm-hmm. it felt like it didn't matter. You knew they were going to cough up that lead the minute that the Cubs came up and sure enough, uh, that's exactly what happened. Uh, hopefully that's way more on the Pirates than the Cubs all of a sudden turning things on. Um, which I think, uh, you know, could be the case. Certainly the Cubs offense looked good, but no one is that good. So we can count on them. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember the last time a team averaged like 12 runs in a series. I, I mean, I, like I, that was the minimum. I thought I read that that was the most runs scored in a three-game series going back to like 1901. Is, is that correct? Wow. I mean, they scored like 47. I mean, they scored more than 12 runs a game. They scored 47 runs yeah. that series, didn't they? Yeah, let's see what it was. Seventeen was it seventeen fourteen and seventeen or something like that? Something I mean, like, yeah, I mean something. Just, yeah, it's just insane, <laughs> ridiculous. So <laughs> hopefully those runs have all are all going to stay in Chicago. Uh, well, no, we don't want them staying in Chicago for a week. Yeah, there, well, just, staying in that. Just, they've used them up. Yeah, they've yeah. used them and they can't. They're not any more left. That's what we're hoping for. Staying there that last week. So. Well, let me ask you this: if uh, if the Cardinals are going to win the Central. What's the minimum amount of games they can win um, in this Cub series? Uh, and, and I'm talking the whole seven. Uh, All seven? Yeah. Oh, I think they have to win. Yeah. They have to win three. Okay. Um, you know, probably being that Scherzer's going tomorrow, probably four, but they have to win three. Right. Um, and then just hope Pittsburgh is so embarrassed from last week that they can at least muster a win um, when the Cubs go into PNC. That's, I think, what I'm hanging my hat on, which is probably foolish, but just the idea that there's Ooh. so much bad blood with the Pirates and Cubs all season <laughs> that, look, they're going to be like, look, we're almost done with the year. Let's just go out and win a couple of these games uh, in front Ooh. of our 10 fans who all hate us now because we don't spend any money or hate our ownership at least. Right. We never spend any money. But no, I, I'm hoping the Pirates at least give them something because they gave them nothing. Somebody had a tweet out. I don't remember who it was that said, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates helping the Chicago Cubs make the playoffs since 2003. And that seems to always be the case. You know, I remember the Pirates traded them 
Aramis Ramirez, which, you know, pushed them over, I think, in 2003. And always seems like there's something the Pirates do that helps out the Cubs. And uh, hopefully they're, they're tired of that. Well, well what's going to be wild is if Milwaukee, who we haven't talked about, and I guess we're not going <laughs> to have time to talk about, but if, if they claw their way into this, what's going to be crazy is Milwaukee still has like a negative 30-something 20 something mm-hmm. run differential. And I have to imagine after last weekend, the Cubs run differential all of a sudden is back where uh, it was on pace to be, um, you know, like earlier in the season. <clears throat> so if Milwaukee somehow, which, which sounds like it's very possible because I know they have perhaps the easiest schedule of the three teams. Um, actually, no, perhaps about it. I think they do have the easiest schedule of the three yeah, teams going forward. Do. If they somehow end up tied with the Cubs, or tied with the Cardinals, or, or we're all tied, and and they're sitting there with that run differential at where it is, and the Cubs have who knows where it's at now. Uh, that's going to look pretty funny. It's 120 or something. <laughs> okay. yeah. That's going to look pretty funny in the uh, in the standings. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's a possibility. Milwaukee won tonight, so Did they really, you know, oh which is, yeah, I beat the Padres three to one, and you know, for the fact that they lost Christian Yelich again, that's something that if it was a long term. You know, they had to do four, three or four months without him. That's one thing. But for two weeks, you know, you can sometimes get by even without your your best Absolutely. player. And they're proving that they are. They can. So, you know, if everything holds the way it is right now, you know, they'll be tied with the Cubs for that last spot with two games left. And who knows what happens tomorrow. So, yeah, it's possible that the Brewers are going to kind of watch, you know, the Cardinals and Cubs beat up on each other a little bit and, and kind of walk into this, even though – by all rights, if you want to look at the numbers, they really shouldn't. But that's baseball, unfortunately. Oh, I think it's absolutely fair to say the Brewers aren't very good, and they might win the division <laughs> just just like last year. <laughs> but that's baseball, as you said. Um, we have actually gone uh, almost 45 minutes, uh, so I'm going to go ahead. Uh, usually when I have guests on, I ask them to uh, chip in with the chirp of the week, and Daniel was obliged to do that. So uh, – Go ahead and take it away and tell us what you have. Well, it's it really ties on what we've been talking about, the Cardinals and the Cubs in September. Um, I wanted to, you know, I, we have this idea that Wrigley is this house of horror. So I kind of wanted to look back and see what the Cardinals and the Cubs have done over the last, I ran it back to 96 um, in September. Games that have just been played either from after September 1st. There's a couple of October games in here just as the seasons have wrapped. But after September 1st, uh, since 1996, uh, the Cardinals are 44 and 50 against the Cubs in September, uh, which works out to a 469 winning percentage. They are 16 and 29, a 356 winning percentage at Wrigley Field. Mm. Now, you know, that's a lot of time, a lot of years. So I also looked at, just kind of snopped it up from 2015, from that big race when the Cubs started getting good. The numbers get worse, (laughs) unfortunately. And I don't think that's a big surprise. Since 2015, the Cardinals are 6-16 and against the Cubs in September and a paltry 3-11 and at Wrigley Field. Um it's 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 not pretty. Um, like I said, there's there's some weird. Th- you know, ninety eight. Of course, had the they had the McGuire sixty two home run was a September game. Two thousand and seven was kind of weird. They had a one game makeup in Wrigley between two series. Um, 
that the Cardinals, I believe they actually lost that game. So of course, because it was in Wrigley field, um, the Cardinals did not play the Cubs in 2001, 2004 or 2006. So perhaps if we could get the schedule makers to yeah, stop scheduling the Cubs years. in September. Yeah. It would be a lot, <laughs> a lot better off. Um, some offensive numbers. Again, these are just from the 2015 on. Uh, since 2015, overall, the Cardinals have hit 209 uh, against the Cubs in these series, uh, have slugged 335. Um, they have a 523 ERA. Um, they have struck out, yeah, struck out about 9, 9.3 uh, per over nine innings, uh, walked 4.6. Um, there's really not a good number, right? and it, you know, if you if you want to have optimism about this coming up series, you should just have turned it <laughs> off a few minutes ago because there's really nothing here that makes you look that. But again, those are all different teams; those are all different strange things. Uh, and you know, 2017 was the last time they played seven games against the Cubs in September, and they went one and six. I, I remember um, that well. You have to go back to 2000 and th- yeah, you have to go back to 2013 to find a winning September against the Cubs. The Cardinals went three and zero that year against uh, the Cubs. All games, of course, at Bush Stadium. So um, there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of ugly numbers in here. But you know, it's also a, less than a hundred games that we're talking about. So. Uh, oh, and when you're looking at all the way back to 96, so I don't know what kind of sample or what kind of conclusion you want to draw, but there's your chirp of the week. That's excellent stuff. Uh, a couple of things on that. Like, I, I think those numbers are interesting because if you're using 1996 as your starting point, I mean, the Cardinals, arguably the second best team in baseball after the Yankees since 1996, uh, mm-hmm. even, even if we're just talking regular season. Uh, so... And the Cubs are are not. <laughs> the, the Cubs are probably more middle right. of the pack um, if we're talking just overall wins. Uh, um, so, yeah, the, I don't know if that's just rivalry stuff or just kind of the quirks of baseball, but that's uh, interesting. The other thing I will say is you mentioned the Cardinals are 44 and 50 uh, against the Cubs in mm-hmm. September. Um, going back to 1996, um, I can't remember all the way back to 1996 um, of all the September Cards-Cubs games I have seen. Um, perhaps only this one, but I know the Cardinal in the most recent one I've been to, the Cardinals are 1-0 and against the Cubs. And that's ah. because the very first game I ever attended at New Bush Stadium, I think it was like September 23rd or 24th, 2011, and it was the <laughs> Marmol game. Ah, uh, yes. With Adron Cham- Chambers scampering home to, uh, to win that game. And... That was such a huge moment um, because I, I was there watching with my brother at the game, actually, and he, he's a Cubs fan. And it, it kind of just set into me that it didn't look like a game we were going to win. The bats had been silent all day. Mm-hmm. And if had we lost that game, we would have lost two of three to a pretty bad Cubs team in a time when we needed to uh, keep winning to stay alive. And so, so it kind of set into me like, okay, maybe this just isn't going to happen. September was a fun ride, but this is where it ends. And uh Sure enough, that's not where it ended. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if, if we lose that game. I don't know what ends up happening. So those were ugly numbers from, from September, but at least uh, I have at least one very good memory of a Cards-Cubs September game. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, 
you know, that is 2011. They went two and one that, that game being, you know, the, really the deciding one there. Um, so it's, it's possible for the Cardinals with postseason aspirations to go and take care of business against the Cubs. It's just, it's kind of difficult to do. Well, now is as good of time as any to kind of exactly. reverse course, I would say. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much for uh, coming on. This was fun. I, I enjoyed it. I appreciate you having me, and uh, maybe we'll do it again sometime. Yeah. Or we'll have you over on one of our shows. Yeah. So, Daniel, if you don't know, he uh, he hosts or co-hosts the Meet Me at Musial podcast with uh, Alan Medlock. And uh, one time I was listening to that podcast in the car uh, with my mom with my mom, with my wife. That's a weird thing to say. <laughs> with my wife, we were, we were driving to, <laughs> we were driving to North Carolina. We were listening to your show and it, uh, she remarked that, uh, she was like, well, where's this guy from talking about you? And I said, he's from Arkansas. And you know, you, you I, I've never been to Arkansas, but I, I need to go. Cause I always hear about like these hidden gems in Arkansas, but even though I've never been there, you sound like someone from Arkansas. Everyone from where I've met, you kind of have that same uh, accent, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, probably. You, you never hear your own accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and Alan, like, you know, he sounds like someone who should be tending bar in Deadwood, you know, back in the gold rush days. You know, he, I feel like he's, he's like a saloon owner from out in the Old West, like the way he sounds. He has this great sound. Uh uh, who knows what I sound like, but it just reminds me of like what I love about this fan base is that it really does cover a large geographical area, um, a very diverse fan base. For sure. I know when we were first starting the, the United Cardinal bloggers in the first blogger days that we had, there was a majority, majority of the people came from outside St. Louis because they were just, you know, that's kind of spread out the fan base and we see it on TV and stuff. The Cardinal nation, it's not that they travel well, they are everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. it's not that they have to go to Colorado. There's a lot of them out there. So um, yeah, you find them everywhere and it's uh it's fun to, to have this interaction and, and go through these ups and downs. Um, not alone. Uh, we can go through them, you know, we can yell at each other because we're also <laughs> frustrated, you know, it's like, did you see that? Yes, we did. And and that, that's good to have. Well, I don't know Alan personally, but he doesn't strike me as someone who'd be offended by me saying, uh, no. he sounds like a, uh, well, I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's a good Oklahoma yeah. guy. So it's really close. Anyhow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, again, this has been uh, Daniel Shoptaw joining me. You can follow him at uh, C70 on Twitter. Uh, he hosts the Meet Me at Musial podcast uh, with the aforementioned uh, Alan Medlick. He also hosts the uh, Gateway to Baseball Heaven podcast with our own Tara Wellman. Uh, you can find his writing on uh, Cards Conclave. He writes basically every day. I don't know how he does it, um, but uh, how do you do it? You're here. I can ask I, you. You're here. How do you do it? Not, not well anymore. It's gotten <laughs> a lot more sporadic than it used to. As I've gotten older, and it's harder to to get out of bed before work and write anything. So I need to do better at it. But uh, you know, it, it, the good thing about my writing, from that point of view, unlike you know yours and others, it's not as research based. A lot of times, it's what did I see last night? Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of writing about the game. So it's you always have something instead of having to spend a lot of time because I'm not smart enough to dig into anything. So it's just like, yeah, this is what I saw. And so that's that's why that's how I was able to, to do so much of that. Right. Well, I, I read you every time you have something up and it's always good. So everyone else uh, should be reading uh, Daniel as well. Um, 
Hi, I'm Alex Crispoli. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, AlexCard79. Subscribe, review, podcast, all that stuff. Um, and uh, I think that'll do it. Tara will be back next week. Thanks for tuning in again. Yeah.